One of my favorite books uh, is a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. It's by a man by the name of Andrew Murray. Uh, I'd encourage you to read anything you can find by Andrew Murray, especially on prayer. But in that book, here's what Murray says. God means prayer to have an answer. God means prayer to have an answer. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is the rope that rings the bell in the belfry of God. You see plenty of evidence that demonstrates the truthfulness of both those statements that that God means prayer to have an answer and that prayer is ringing the bell uh, in the belfry of God throughout the Scripture. Uh, You begin in the Old Testament. It is prayer that opened the Red Sea. It is prayer that brought water from the rock and bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still in Joshua. Prayer brought fire from the sky when uh, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Prayer, throughout the scripture, heals the sick, raises the dead. I remember a story about a woman whose daughter was sick. Doctor called in some medicine, local drugstore, and so the mom said to the daughter, I'm going to run down and pick it up. I'll be right back. After she got the medicine, she came back out to her car and realized that she had locked her keys uh, in the car. So she called her daughter uh, to explain what had happened. She was going to be a little late, and the daughter said, Mom, go in there and get a coat hanger. Get a wire coat hanger. I've seen on TV how they just put that coat hanger down in there and unlock the door. So the mother went back to the store. She was able to get a coat hanger, but she had her doubts whether or not that was going to work. In fact, she felt embarrassed. She wasn't sure at all how to use a coat hanger to open a car door. But she was a woman of prayer. So she prayed a quick prayer. She said, Lord, I don't know what to do. My keys are locked in that car. My little girl's at home by herself, and I need uh, some help. I've got this coat hanger here, but I don't know what to do with it. Would you please send somebody to help me? About that time, a car pulled up to the curb right where she was standing. Man got out of the passenger seat. Man who got out must be God's answer to my prayer, the woman thought. He didn't look like the kind of package God would send to meet that particular need. He hadn't shaved for some time. She thought he might even be a homeless person, but she said, "Uh, sir, can you help me? He said, what's wrong? She said, I've locked my keys in the car. I've got this coat hanger here, she said, but I don't know what to do with it. He said, where's the car? So she took him to the car. He bent the coat hanger, inserted it into the top of the window, unlocked the car. The woman was so overwhelmed, she didn't care how scruffy he looked. She reached out and she gave him a big old hug told him, thank you, you're a good man. That's what she said. She said, you're a good man. He said, lady, I'm not a good man. I just got out of prison for breaking into cars. <laughs> As the man walked away, the lady looked up to heaven and she said, thank you, Lord, you sent me a professional. <laughs> Prayer is meant to have an answer. The disciples had the opportunity to ask Jesus anything they wanted to ask him. What did they ask him? Lord, teach us how to pray. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to be missionaries. Lord, teach us how to be a pastor. They They asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that is the wisest request 
that they could have made because the only thing that lies outside the reach of prayer is that which lies outside the will of God. So how do we pray in such a way that we get our prayers answered? We're going to look at a few things the Bible tells us this morning about it. We're going to use our Bibles a lot, so keep them uh, handy so you can turn to these passages. But let's start in the 14th chapter of John and verse number 13. John 14, 13, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of this uh, God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Jesus, you, you know the first part of John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But he continues to talk about how the Father is going to be revealed through the Spirit. And then in verse 13, he says, and whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Lord, now... We come in your name to ask that you would speak to us through your spirit and through your word. May we begin to understand what it truly means to pray expecting an answer from you. Lord, we know you want to answer our prayers. We want to be in a position to receive that answer. So help us today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are a lot of things you could say. There are a lot of keys. I'm only going to give you two, just two. To get your prayers answered, here's the first one. You pray in Jesus' name. That's what he said. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Now, the key becomes... Well, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? What does that mean? When he says, anything that you ask in my name, I will do. You have to look at the end of verse 13 to figure that out. The end of verse 13 says, you pray in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that's going to be very, very important in what we're going to talk about. So why do we ask for anything in the name of Jesus? Well, you, all you got to do is back up a few verses in John 14, and you will find out that in verse 6, what does Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means there's no exception. No exception. The only way you can get to the Father is through the Son. So it is Jesus Christ who brings us to the Father when we pray in his name. Here's another scripture I want you to turn to. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse 18. Paul says, for through him, that's Jesus, for through Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So you have access to the Father. The only way you have access to the Father, so get this, get this down. You pray to God the Father. You pray through Jesus Christ, his Son. You pray in the power of the Spirit. Now, if you, if you say uh, in your prayers, dear Jesus, if you pray to Jesus, that's fine. Uh, but I want you to understand that the, 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 the the way that God has set this up, you pray to the Father 
through the Son, by the Spirit. So the only way you have access to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Almost every prayer that I have ever heard prayed by anybody, especially in the church culture. I've been in it all my life. <clears throat> and so all of my life, almost every prayer I've ever heard ends with what three words? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Did you know? Now, I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this one, so if you, if you can prove me wrong, do it. Did you know that there is not one single prayer in the Bible that ends that way? Not one. If you can find one, you let me know. But there's not, I haven't been able to find one. Every prayer that I've ever heard prayed in church, they pray, 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 get to the end and say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And, 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 and yet in the Bible, that never occurs. We have been taught and we have come to believe that all we have to do is add those three little words to the end of our prayer and that somehow that gives us greater standing before God. That if you don't say that, let me put this down so y'all can see me on that side, is that better? Um, somehow we have come to believe that if you will just add those three words to the end of any prayer that you pray, that all of a sudden it's a magic formula. So I pray for whatever it is I want, and then at the end of it, if I don't say in Jesus' name, then it really isn't a true prayer because I didn't pray in Jesus' name. That's what we've been taught. That is incorrect. That's not true. Just because you say in Jesus' name does not mean that your prayer automatically goes straight to heaven and gets the approval of God. Praying in Jesus' name means two things. First of all, it means that you are praying with the approval of Jesus. So when I pray in Jesus' name, I'm praying with his approval. When a person puts his name on something, uh, you look at um, any number of things that, that maybe a celebrity will endorse, and that celebrity puts his name on it. That means that that product, that thing, comes with the authority or the approval of that person who put his name on it. In my office at home, I have a baseball glove that has uh, embossed on the baseball glove the name of Jim Catfish Hunter. And basically what that, if you had a glove like that when you were a child, then what that meant was that Jimmy Hunter said, this is the kind of glove that I would approve. This is the kind of glove that I would use. I put my name on it. That's what it means to have the approval of somebody. You put their name on it. So Jesus has to approve our prayer before he can put his name on it. And once he puts his name on it, that means we're praying so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If your prayer, whatever it is you're praying, is not to glorify the Father through the Son, you don't get the approval of Jesus, I don't care what you say. You can say bibbidi bobbidi boo and it doesn't make any difference. 
because it doesn't have the approval of Jesus. Here's the second thing it means, though. There are two things. It means you pray with the approval of Jesus, but then you pray with the authority of Jesus. So when I pray in Jesus' name, I'm praying with his approval. I'm praying with his authority. There was a time uh, when uh, we paid all our bills by writing a check. Hardly anybody writes checks anymore. Uh, you don't even hardly have checkbooks, but we uh, would sit down at the beginning of the month and we would write out uh, all our checks and put them in the mail, mail it to whoever we owed money to. And if you came up to me and I wanted to pay you for something, I'd pull out my checkbook and I would write you a check and I'd sign my name to it. Now, what did that mean when I handed you? So I'll give Adam this check and Adam can take that check to the bank and he can present it to the teller at the bank and he or she will give Adam money out of my account. Why? Because Adam has come into that bank with my authority. He came in with my signature. And so my signature on that check says, as long as the money is in the account, you can pay it out to whoever that check is written to. So when I pray in Jesus' name, listen, when I pray in Jesus' name, I need those two things. I need the authority of Jesus. I need the approval of Jesus in order to have my prayer answered. So just saying in Jesus' name does not necessarily mean that it truly is in Jesus' name. You say, in Jesus' name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That is the key. The key is not the three words in Jesus' name. The key is that God may be glorified. So whatever it is I'm praying for, whatever it is I'm asking God to do, must glorify the Father through the Son. That's how I get the authority. That's how I get the approval of Jesus. If what you and I are praying for, listen, if what we're praying for does not bring glory to God, then you are not praying in Jesus' name, period. There's one more thing about this. If you are not a believer, if you've never been saved, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no right, none, none whatsoever to pray in Jesus' name. You can't pray in Jesus' name until you're part of the family, until you've repented of your sins and surrendered your life to Jesus. I cannot approach God in my own name. I can't approach God in my own ability. I can only approach God. People love to quote that verse from Hebrews that says we come with uh, boldness into the throne room of God. Well, how do you get that boldness? It has nothing to do with you, who you are or what your ability is. It is you are coming in the authority and the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the point of entry into the presence of God. So if you're going to offer prayers to God, if you're going to offer sincere prayers to God, you must pray in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here's a, here's a prayer you might pray. You might just say this, Father, I don't come to you today in my own name. 
I don't come to you in my own power. I don't even have the right to talk to you except by and through the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And so I approach you today. I come into your presence today with the approval and with the authority only of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. If you can't say that, you have no access to the Father. You want to get your prayers answered, you pray in Jesus' name. And that doesn't mean just saying it at the end of the prayer. It means that you are praying that the Father might be glorified in the Son. And the only access you have to the Father is through Jesus Christ. So there's, there's one key right there. You pray in Jesus' name. Here's a second key I want you to look at. You pray in the Spirit. Go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Paul's just told the Ephesians to put on the full armor of God and that uh, you're standing against the wiles of the devil. And when you've done everything you can do, you just stand firm. But then in verse 18, after he says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, then verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication, underline those next three words, in the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, if I were to pass out a piece of paper this morning, a blank sheet of paper, and give you a, a pen or a pencil or something to write with, and I were to ask you, I want you to write down everything that you know about praying in the Spirit. What would you write? Now, you just think about it for a minute. You think, if I, if I said to you, here's a piece of paper, here's a pencil, I want you to start writing. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? We'd have a problem. Because a lot of what people believe about praying in the Spirit is wrong. It's erroneous, according to the Scripture. I am very troubled at how, at how this very important biblical truth has been treated by a lot of Christians. We're told all throughout the Scripture to pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? You see, there are a lot of Christians who never discuss that subject at all. They don't even want to talk about it. So they just ignore it. Baptists are notorious for saying we believe in the Trinity, but only talking about two persons in the Trinity. We love to talk about the Father. We love to talk about the Son, but we're real scared of the Holy Spirit because the King James Version calls him a ghost. And we don't like to talk about anything that's got anything to do with ghosts. We don't believe in ghosts. So we just ignore the Spirit altogether. But then you've got a group of people over here who go to the other extreme and becomes praying in the spirit becomes some sort of fanatical um, uh, thing that is practiced only by people who are too emotional in their faith. Well, is that what it means to pray in the spirit, that you have to do all kinds of gyrations and speak in other uh, unknown tongues and all of those? Is that what it means to pray in the spirit? Well, of course not. In Ephesians 6, Paul is not calling us to hysteronics. 
He's not calling us to make fools out of ourselves. This is not a pep rally kind of praying that he's asking us to do. There's another passage of Scripture that I think will give you some more insight into that. Turn to the little book of Jude. Jude, go to Revelation, turn back one page, and you'll come to a little book called Jude. There are only 25 verses in Jude. Jude starts out intending to write about one subject, led by the Holy Spirit to write something entirely different than what his original uh, intention had been. He says in verse 3, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. That's what I intended to talk about. But I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And then he begins to talk about the danger that has occurred in the church, people creeping in, and uh, they've not even been noticed. And uh, all of a sudden, this false doctrine is being uh, perpetrated. I want you to go down to verse 20. Verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude, if you remember, was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He's not some wild-eyed religious radical. You read those 25 verses of Jude, and what you find is a man of God who was theologically balanced. He understood the importance of right doctrine and right theology, but he also understood what it meant to be in the Spirit and to pray in the Spirit. He he understood the importance of truth. He understood the importance of faith, but he also believed in the power of prayer. So when you, if you take Jude's life, what you find is Jude, was somebody who who we would say pursued a relationship with God in the Word of God. So when you pursue the Word of God, you're pursuing, listen, you're pursuing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. When you study the Word of God, you can't disregard what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. If you're going to read the Bible, you're going to believe the Bible, and we say we believe it from cover to cover. It's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, it's sufficient. All of those things we say about God's Word. When you pursue the Word of God, you're pursuing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when you pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you come at it that way, you come at it from the other side and say, I'm pursuing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will always point you to the Word of God. Those two things, God's Word, God's Spirit, always are married together. And listen, Jesus told us this. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will always point people to what? Jesus. Holy Spirit never calls attention to himself. The Holy Spirit never points people to any other person except the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is always going to lead you into the Word of God. So when you know God's Word, then you are equipped to pray in the Spirit. 
Praying in the Spirit is not getting down somewhere and trying to come up with some magical language or magical formulas of how to do this. No, 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 no. You get in the Word of God. You're pursuing God through his word. He's going to introduce you to his spirit. His spirit is going to point you to Jesus Christ. And what did we say was the first key to having your prayers answered? You're praying in Jesus' name, with Jesus' authority, with Jesus' approval. So when you know God's word, you are equipped then to pray in the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? One more passage. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Here's what Paul says about that. <clears throat> Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Paul just gave you the definition right there of what it means to pray in the Spirit. There it is. Paul says, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. The Holy Spirit is going to energize you. The Holy Spirit is going to help you in praying. Romans 8, 26 and 27 reminds me I've got two problems. So do you. I've got a problem of ignorance and I've got a problem of weakness. Both, uh, we all have that. Look at what he says. Likewise, verse 26, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. So I'm weak. And then it says, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I'm also ignorant. So there you are. You, you may think you know everything. You may think you've got it all under control, but the Bible says when you come to pray to God, you've got two problems. You're ignorant and you're weak. Just go ahead and admit that. And so I need the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I'm always supposed to pray for. And so Paul says the Spirit helps me in my weakness. Sometimes when I pray, I'm asking God to do one thing, but God wants to do something else in my life. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit jumps in the middle of all of that, and he intercedes on my behalf. And he basically says, Lord, um, here's Keith again. He's weak and he's ignorant. He thinks he knows what he wants. He thinks he knows what he needs, but he really doesn't know. And so I'm here today to ask you, if you will, Lord bless his heart, he's sincere, but he's ignorant. And I want you to do this, Lord, I know here's what he's asking for, but here's what he needs. Here's what he needs. So Father, don't give him what he's asking for. Give him what he needs. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Because I don't know what I need. I think I do. But I don't always know that. Maybe you're different than me. You're looking at me like you are. Uh, maybe you're different than me. Uh, you may know it all. I don't. I'm weak and I'm ignorant. When I pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes intercession on my behalf according to the will of God for my life, the plan of God for my life. And here's what I've learned about praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes my energy. 
He takes my willingness. He takes my sincerity. All of those things that I bring. And the Holy Spirit takes that and he adapts all of that to what I need. And so God gives me what I need. And here's what I've I've discovered. If God doesn't give me what I want, if God doesn't give me what I want, he's got something better in store for me. You see, the will of God, the will of God is what you would want for your life if you had sense enough to want it. But you've got that problem of weakness. You don't know. You've got that problem of ignorance. I just don't know how I'm supposed, I think I've got a handle on this. I think I know, but Lord, you know better than I do. And God gives you something better than what you thought you wanted. And listen, if God doesn't give me what I want, he always gives me what I need. I may not understand it at the beginning, but I can always look back on it and I can say, you know what? I'm glad I didn't get what I asked for. Right? That's why I pray in the Spirit. So when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Well, preacher, how do I do that? One way, I'm going to give you something revolutionary right here. One way that you can pray in the Spirit is to start your prayer in silence. We think we've got to bust right in and just start talking. We do that in every aspect of our life. We are so uncomfortable with silence. In fact, we call it what? We call it awkward silence. I could prove it to you. I'm not going to because it would make me feel awkward. But if I just stopped preaching right now and I just stood here for the next two minutes and just stood here and looked at you, I didn't say a word and you didn't say a word. We just stood and looked. You would start to look down. You would start to fidget. You would start to move around. You would start to make, I haven't got anything on my teeth. What am I doing? Because we're not comfortable with that. We're not comfortable being quiet. We love to talk. But what we need to do is come before God and be quiet. Just be in silence. Meditate on the Word of God. Start your prayer with maybe something like this. Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray, so would you just show me what I'm supposed to pray for right now? Well, in order for him to show you what you're going to need to pray for right now, you're going to have to hush a minute so he can talk. You meditate on his Word. You just sit there in silence and say, Lord, I don't even know what I'm supposed to pray for today. Would you just, would you tell me what to pray? Be flexible. Learn to let the Holy Spirit lead you in your prayer time. Because when you pray under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he will always lead you to pray by the word of God. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself praying God's word. You want a prayer God's going to answer? Pray his word back to him. It's his word. He'll, he'll, he'll honor it. And the Holy Spirit is always going to um, lead you to fulfill the word of God. I've heard people say, I believe the Spirit is leading me. I had a woman come to me many years ago. And she said, I believe that the Spirit is leading me to divorce my husband. And I said, well, I'm not positive about that because that seems to contradict Scripture. Let's talk about this a little bit. 
I said, tell me why. And she gave me the reasons why, none of which were biblical reasons for getting a divorce. And so I said to her, I don't think this is the Spirit leading you at all. Uh, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're being led by your emotion, your anger, and your hurt. And you've got a lot of, got a lot of issues going on here, but it certainly is not the Spirit leading you. Listen, be very, very careful when you say, the Spirit is leading me. You better, when you say that, you better make sure that that's exactly what's happening. Don't, don't say, I believe the Holy Spirit's leading me to, to do this and this and th You better make sure that that's what's happening. Be careful because, and listen, write this down if you need to, the Holy Spirit will never lead you into an action that is contrary to the Word of God. Period. End of sentence. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into an action that is contrary to God's Word. So when I'm praying in the Spirit, it means I'm going to pray by the Word of God and I'm going to pray with the Word of God. Again, maybe I would pray something like this. I might pray, Father, I don't know how to pray about this matter. So I'm coming to you because I need your help. I need your assistance. And Lord, as I pray to you about whatever it is I'm praying about, may your spirit utter to you what the depths of my heart really want to convey. Because I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to pray it. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to say, but I, Father, would, I pray now that the Holy Spirit would just speak the words that I can't speak. I, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would uh, assist me. The Bible says I'm ignorant and I'm weak, but the Holy Spirit knows what the depths of my heart desire. And what I desire is that the Father be glorified through the Son. What I desire is that the will of God be done in my life. What I desire is that the Word of God be fulfilled in my life. And so, Lord, I don't even know how to say that. I don't even know what to do with that. But I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to accomplish the work that you gave him to do. And that is he's going to step in and he's going to assist me in praying. When you pray in the Spirit... When you pray in the Spirit, it means you are praying with power from the Spirit. Where does our power come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. Prayerlessness means we're dependent on what? Us. Prayerlessness is when I depend on myself. I've looked over everything. I've seen everything. I've decided this is the way I need to go. This is what I need to do. And so I didn't even bother to consult God in that matter because I didn't think it was important enough. I'm perfectly capable. I'm smart enough. I'm all of those things. Uh, I'm educated. I'm this, that, and the other. And so uh, I don't even need to ask God about this. I've just seen how it is, and I'm just going to go this way. That is when you begin to depend upon yourself. You have no power. When you pray in the Spirit... When you pray something like what I just prayed, Lord, I don't always know what I'm supposed to say. I, don't, I think I know what I need. I think I know what I want, but I want you. I want your spirit to utter to you what I really mean to say. 
When I do that, I receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and that means I'm depending on God. And when I depend on God, I receive power when I pray, and my prayers are answered. And when the power of God comes upon you, listen, when the power of God comes upon you, mighty things begin to happen because God fills you with himself. He leads you. He guides you. He empowers you. He empowers you to live more effectively. He empowers you to live according to the Word of God. He empowers you to do what He wants you to do. You see, the more I surrender my life to God, the more I put myself in a position to pray with power from on high, the more God is going to bless me in my life and lead me. Because now I'm praying, I'm doing everything, every decision that I make. Every single decision that I make, I'm making in conjunction with the fact that when I pray, I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. So I'm, I'm doing, I want to do what the Holy Spirit does. I want to point people to Jesus with all my decisions. Remember, God's throne room is a very special place. And you and I experience the presence of God there and all that God has for us. So the way to have your prayers answered, and listen, I just did two. I, I could go on all day long uh, with principles out of God's Word. We could have we taken much more time with this. I just did two. Pray in the name of Jesus, pray in the Spirit. I think those are the two most important ones. I think if you're not doing those two, none of the rest of them even matter. You gotta start right here. Pray in Jesus' name, pray in the Spirit. And when you pray with those keys in mind, you will pray within the will of God and your prayers will be answered and the chest of God's blessings will be unlocked and bestowed upon you. If, 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 if we want to see the Spirit of God move in a way in our lives and in this church, if we want to see the Spirit of God move in a way that can only be described as supernatural, we must first be willing to earnestly, humbly, continually pray in Jesus' name and in the Spirit.